Welcome everyone to the Do God Podcast. I am your host, Rob Watson, and in today's episode, I'm speaking with Kathy Olamides, who is the founder of the Happy Mags for Kids, Anorak and Dot. As well as running the business side of things, she also creates the theme for every issue. She writes, she art directs, she commissions artists, and she does all the social media as well across uh, for both mags across all the channels. And she also runs uh, Studio Anorak, which is a creative studio dedicated to putting creativity at the heart of children, which is something that people who have listened to this podcast know that's something that is um passionate for me and true to my heart so firstly Kathy thank you for speaking with me today thank you for having me Rob I'm really happy to be here amazing um so for those who might not be aware of Anorak could you maybe just give us a you know a nice little overview of the how it started and how it's unfolded sure so we are celebrating our 15th 15th anniversary in September so it's been going for 15 years and it started off with Anorak itself, which um, I launched in 2006 because I had become a mum in 2002. My son was four and I was looking around for children's magazines that I could read with him. Um, just to go back a little bit more in history, I used to work in magazines myself, like The Face and Sleaze Nation back in the 90s, which is a long, long time ago. And um, I was, I've always been into magazines and I just looked for one for, to read with my son and I couldn't find anything that was, you know, interesting, substantial, um, gentle, neutral, with no plastic toys on the cover. Um, they tended to be all belong to a kind of throwaway category. So I thought I'll just do, do it myself and um, launched it that way. And um, I started off quite small with an art director. And um, then we just, you know, kind of took it day by day and it grew and grew and grew. And 15 years later, um, we're still here. And Anorak is the happy mag for kids. So it's basically anything. It's like an old fashioned magazine. It's like the old fashioned annuals that you'd get when, you know, you were a child or when we were children. So it has stories, it has a theme every issue, it has games and activities. And it's beautifully illustrated because I'm obsessed with illustration and nice pictures. And um, so that was the first that we did. And then further down the line, we launched Dot, which is um, the same kind of format, but aimed at the preschooler this time. And um, that's, again, has a theme, beautifully illustrated activities, but it's aimed for kids under the age of five. So that's kind of in a really quick summary what we've been doing in the last 15 years. It sounds amazing. Yeah, you're absolutely right about uh, beautiful illustrations and the, the style and the art direction it is, um, is it really stands out from from the crowd, really. Um, and so what, um, it's quite a stretch then doing it for 15 years. What kind of, um, what, what keeps you going, keeps you inspired and motivated to, to still do what you do? Um, I think it's 100% passion. I love making it every single quarter. I love making both. I love illustration. I love art directing. I love writing. I love using my imagination fundamentally. That's what it is. And my creativity. I didn't know I was creative before I started Anorak. I thought I was a very process-driven kind of person. So I had jobs like producer. I was a, I'm still a producer on the sideline. You know, I had, I, I loved my process. I used my brain a lot for kind of doing things that were very rational. And then through Anorak, I kind of discovered my creativity from a writing point of view, from an aesthetic point of view. And I think that's what keeps me going. And every issue, honestly, even though I know 15 years have passed by, every issue feels like the first issue I ever, I've ever done. So, you know, um, it's just, yeah, 100% passion, 100% being in love with what I do. And it doesn't actually feel like a job ever, except when I start looking at, you know, bookkeeping, invoicing and all that rubbish, all that stuff, that necessary kind of business stuff, then it feels like a business and it feels like it's been 15 years. However, the creation of, of these titles um, it's just a pure pleasure to do really. It's just a lot of fun and also I think also it's it's a lot of freedom which is very rare and unique and I know I'm super privileged to be able to do that it's just the freedom to do exactly what I want to do with it and there's no rules there's no there there is a bit more consistency now but you know we can 
tailor it, shape it to whatever we want it to be. Um, so that freedom, passion and creativity are really the three things that just keep me going. Yeah, it sounds like you do indeed. Um, it sounds when you say that about each uh, ep- each um, quarterly magazine is like starting new. It's like that beginner's mind, that you yeah. know, that childlike kind of wonder and approach to yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. That's, yeah. yeah, that's powered by yeah. Child wonder is definitely what powers Anarak, and and that's why people come to it too. And I think that's something that you can't you can't you know engineer it's something that happens naturally because it happens in the creation people come to it um you know and that's something super magical and as i said like i feel so privileged that it's happened and it keeps happening um that way but yeah it's 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 wonderful and i think that's also what's missing a lot of the time i'm i'm, I'm kind of worried that children are forgetting to be full of wonder and awe you know so I think we're pushing that even more now. We're more aware of it. When we first started it, I wasn't aware of it at all. It was just a pure instinctive thing. And now I'm just much more aware that's definitely what we are. We are merchants of wonder. <laughs> that's what I call it kind of thing. Yeah. It's something that's so crucial now that, you know, we live in this real digital age where mm-hmm. so much has shifted online and, it almost felt like a, I don't know. Now it's got to the point where it's so saturated, and it's become we've become yeah. so addicted by these machines. And it's not just the kids or people at our age. It's you know, it's the real seniors, everyone. It's this mm-hmm. new technology. We kind of don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're doing is that opportunity to, well, to to give yourself space really, and just. You know, there's nothing like I think I subscribe a lot to Positive News magazine and I love skipping through that on a Sunday morning rather than, you know, um, either reading the traditional papers. But with that one, it's just an opportunity not to. You can get so lost in all these apps and stuff. So have you um, have you kind of riding that wave a bit of of a bit of a backlash to, um, you know, online or do you feel? I think definitely parents bias and and grown-ups as well, because we're not just bought by families, we're also bought by, you know, people who don't have families who just want that kind of, you know, that wants to go into this childlike adventure, really, and that, or, or appreciate the illustrations too. So I think definitely people are use it as a kind of an escapism and as an alternative to screen culture I don't really have a problem I went through so many different stages with you know the internet and what it provides and I have like everyone has this love and hate relationship with it um, but I don't have a problem with screen culture as such I have a problem with what's served and what's you know what's given and it tends to be you know one thing tends to happen and then replicas of that thing just you know are made and made and made so there's very little originality or even imagination in some of the stuff that's that's provided and I think that's my main issue and also there's an issue with volume there's so much of it as you say even for us as you know adults it's difficult to wade through all that insane amount of information of entertainment of culture because actually everything is done pretty much the same way whether it's you know news are all served in this kind of outrage sensationalist stuff or even culture tends to be everything tends to be done with a kind of um um what's the word with a, a strategy behind it you know it's everything has to get as much clicks as possible and um i think what what you know that's a shame and I don't know how we're going to get away from this and how that's going to be fixed I don't think it will be fixed because we seem to be getting it's getting worse and worse and worse but I think what's happening more and more is that people are trying to give themselves breaks from it and parents particularly just don't want their children in front of a screen as much as they used to you know when the internet first arrived everyone was like woohoo this is the new babysitter or the new nanny that's great and they, you know there's cartoons there's stuff we can see from archives it's amazing whereas I think now new parents are very much like they're more discerning and they just want things that happen more traditional things like the things we used to have when we were kids you know which was pen paper magazine books tactile things or just plain boredom as well which is not a bad thing to have 
so yeah we are i think we we've always kind of champ we've championed that more and more in the last kind of five years because it has become obvious that um this is this it's needed it's massively needed so any particular highlights for you in in what you've been doing over this time which have really stood out for you what for the in the last 15 years yeah like any sort of stuff oh, wow. that would be kind of you know un, unexpected things that might have happened or on the way oh my gosh um as i said it's really weird because i don't really look back that much as i said like every issue is a new issue every day is a new day type thing I think this year has been phenomenal and that has been, sorry, last year. I keep thinking we're still in 2020. It's really confusing. um, Yes, the 2020 was an amazing year for us. And it was, I was slightly conflicted at first because, you know, to thrive and to do so exceptionally well during a pandemic was slightly strange for me, but I realized even more what kind of service we were provided for people and, we had such an outpouring of love um, from people sending us, you know, parents sending us emails. Obviously, a lot more people buying the magazines than before. I think our turnover kind of tripled, which is insane. Absolutely wow. insane. Yes, it really is. Um, and I felt, as I said, I felt slightly conflicted about it. And I thought, okay, no, we are doing some good things. And it's good, for, you know, it's, good, it's a good thing for parents and children too. But also the stuff that less kind of, uh, business stuff which is you know as I said the emails we get from people the literally the outpouring of love like I have a file which is a folder which is full of praise which was so so lovely it was almost like the 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 stuff that I needed I needed to hear you know during a pandemic of like actually we're doing something that is it's not just a a mag you know it's a happy mag yes but it's not just a mag it provides uh, children with you know, a portal to imagination. It provides them with a time to spend with themselves and have, you know, and explore their creativity. And I was just completely taken aback by it. So for me, you know, possibly the launch was amazing. Of course, you know, that first time you hold in your hands like a magazine, you're like, oh my God, that's incredible. But um, the last year as well. And then the rest has just been ups and downs as with any businesses but as I said you know making editions and making the happy mag every quarter is just like it's brilliant it's a highlight in itself every single every single quarter I bet it is um you um we spoke briefly before um uh, we started about kind of having to persevere with mm-hmm. these passion projects mm-hmm. and you know in some ways you, you say your turnover tripled uh, last mm-hmm. year but for them people who've just come for it they didn't know you the previous mm-hmm. 14 years and all of a sudden to them you're new yes. um, and they wouldn't be aware that you've been around for for, for so long and um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm sure there's times when you said about ups and downs when you've probably thought, you know, is this, how long is this going to go for? It sounds <laughs> yeah. though, and what I love about hearing from you, it sounds like it's kind of one issue at a time. Obviously you'll be forward thinking, but it's like, okay, I'm going to put my all into this each time. And yeah, there's probably been elements. I don't know. Has there been elements when you thought maybe this is the last one or when you were so, early on? So- it's interesting because this there was definitely two phases. There was the first phase, which was, I'll just put this out. I, you know, it's my side hustle. I don't need it to do extremely well. I wasn't even thinking about it in terms of finances. And then kind of six years down the line, um, I thought, okay, let's make this full time, which was a really rash move because I hadn't really planned anything to go with it. Um, and that created some stresses, which then I had to recover from. But while this was happening, my determination to keep it going was like always high. It's always been high because it's such a pleasure to do. And I've always found a way to make it work financially and for my life and everything else. But the, you know, it's been, it's, there's definitely been some ups and downs. And I think, we forget that we, you know, it's all very glam. There's a shiny edition. I have an Instagram personal account. It looks like I'm surrounded by creative 
stuff all the time and I live this brilliant creative life, which I do. However, there's also the blood, the sweat and the tears, which we don't show to the world. Um, but despite all of that, there is this thing of like, I really enjoy doing it. Um, so if I can find a way to keep it going, I will. Because I have thought in the past, there was a couple of times, there was one particular time when I said that I tried to turn this into a full-time thing and it went <laughs> catastrophically wrong. But um, there was one time I thought, okay, then I have to imagine a life without it. And that's when I was like, no, 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 no. I've got to find a way to make it carry, to make it um, continue. Because it's just so lovely to do and it brings me a lot of joy and of course I have many many plans for it and sometimes that can also get frustrated frustrating and I think that's the thing that I learned throughout the tough times it's like actually the higher expectations the higher you fall and the way for me to keep this going for 15 years is just to you know expect very little but enjoy everything that happens and even more after what we've just we've just going through at the moment, you know, the way I coped with lockdown, for example, was day by day. You know, there's no need to make grand plans about going and living somewhere else or traveling or doing anything like that because you can't, you literally can't. So I personally just decided to live day by day. And that's exactly what I did when I had this first kind of full um, with Anorak, which was a, a very private fall, by the way, not a public one, thankfully. And, um, you know, it, it was just, okay, just enjoy everything that you have and enjoy this particular, what you're creating and don't expect too, too much of it. I think, um, and people often think that Anorak is very strategic you know, has a strategy behind it, has a plan, it has everything. It really doesn't. Uh, it's only this year that I've started thinking maybe it should have one. And, you know, maybe we should grow the team. Maybe we should do all these things. But um, in the last 15 years, apart from once, and that was a disaster, I just, I just take it day by day, issue by issue, idea by idea. <laughs> Very sound advice. I love the bit about expectations. Mm -hmm. um, that can often be the thing that gets in, in way of such good ideas that we can have. Mm -hmm. We can have all these grand plans. We can do these business plans. We can map it all out. Yeah. And then as soon as you hit a few bumps in the road, you can be, oh, that's now I expected it. That's, yeah. oh, I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have that approach and you're very much in that moment and just creating in that moment, yeah. that's kind of where the magic and the wonder and the real expression comes rather than yeah. planning for some future version of now, which is just an, it's just an idea in the head. It's not actually yeah. what's happening in front of you. Yeah. I and I think, poor. yeah. And that way of thinking, I think has really, crystallized I think what with what we've going through I think with the pandemic because that's forced us all to do that and I was lucky to think about doing that before a pandemic hit because otherwise you just drive yourself from from a personal point of view you drive yourself completely crazy just expecting things to be massive all the time and I think that goes back to our discussion around the internet and, you know, everything is becoming so inflated to become successful. Now you have to have half a million clicks, half a million readers, half a million, this, the numbers are becoming so, so, so huge that I think there is beauty in not chasing that. And this beauty, not only because it gives you more time to craft your project, you're not you know, um, dictated by those huge numbers all the time or those huge business expectations. So you have more time to craft it. Um, but also you you don't drive yourself mad, uh, which is bonus, definitely. You know, you just don't want to be the person who's constantly disappointed because your expectations are too high or because you can't control every aspect of everything. So I've, it's a letting go process. It's just focusing on what, you absolutely love doing it, which at the end for me is the creation of, you know, when I had this big kind of dip, I made this map, which is the map of all the things I do when I produce Anorak. And it was mind boggling because I was just like, whoa, that, that filled an entire A4 page and more, you know, from invoicing to 
to you know everything creating thinking idea coming up with concepts and um speaking to illustrators doing lectures blah blah all of this was all in this map and after I had this fall I thought okay which bit in that map do I really want to do and which bit would make me happy you know we are called the happy mags for kids it would be a disaster if the person on the other side of the happy mag for kids was just miserable and disappointed and bitter and everything else I don't feel like I could put out as good a magazine if that was the case so I had almost a duty to do that not only to myself but to this thing that I've created and I just you know decided these are the bits that I'm going to focus on that bring me happiness they might not bring me the multi-million pounds you know the 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 millions of clicks or the millions of readers but they bring me joy and this is the the soft the the, the not the soft point the 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 bit where you know I can make it work for me but also I can make it work as still a really really good product so it, it was like um oh what's the word a point a thinking bomb I can't remember what it's called but yeah there was a of um a meeting of like this is the perfect combination of business creation time I want to spend on it so it's that perfect kind of bit in the middle where um sweet spot that's the word I was looking for that's yeah yeah that's it so it was fundamentally that you know a sweet spot of all these things that you do when you are you know when you are when you run your own business or you create something choose the bits that you really want to do that's what I did and um the rest kind of of course you still do it but it doesn't take as much importance in your head or in your day-to-day which was really great so yeah I don't know if I answered that question no you did indeed that's it's excellent advice that about getting clear I think sometimes we're so kind of on the treadmill even though if what we started out was doing was a real passion for us but then naturally like you're saying you know similar situation when a company has to do accounts invoicing dealing with suppliers printers all of that element and you know when I kind of started out that wasn't exactly why I set out to do it but it becomes a byproduct of it um but then you know it's an, it's an essential sometimes but it's almost a, I'm a big like um believer in kind of productivity and working smarter and of course yeah, rather than so. working hard and stuff like that yeah. um so I kind of reevaluated what we did about five or six years ago and right kind of um it's I just find that it was really interesting that you know you literally sat down with a you know pen and paper or whatever and just mapped it out and yeah um, and one thing that's really come out for me is, is you use the word joy quite a few times mm-hmm. and <laughs> But I love that. I absolutely love. Um, I actually have. We have it dotted about our house a few places. Joy. Um, I find <laughs> it to be such a lovely word, and it has like a. It's such a beautiful meaning behind it. And yeah, if we can live life more with joy, balance, harmony, etc. There's some of the other words I've got. But you you mentioned about which maybe some people can always get swept up in. You can think, oh, well, you know, if I sell so many things, and mm-hmm. someone might come and buy us out, or this big ingi. But you get where's the the value in that that is perceived from society as being yeah. success, but for me, it's it's much greater to have a much more successful life. Is if I get joy from what I do every day. Exactly. Yeah, you put it in much better words than I than I did, and that's for me. That was how the magazine was going to survive beyond you know facing financial difficulties. It's like okay, well, I'm at this crossroad. Obviously, it's, you know, it's not making money. It wasn't at the time at all. How am I going to fix that? Do I give up? No way, because I love doing it. And as I say, it brings me a lot of joy. And, you know, from the feedback we're getting from our readers, it's bringing them a huge amount of joy as well. Um, So what can I do to make it work for me and make it work for our audience as well without the product being completely, you know, diluted or without being on this treadmill, this insane treadmill where we're constantly chasing and chasing numbers. One thing that I remember actually feeling is like the first maybe six years was always this thing where I think the first two or three was a side hustle. As I said, it was kind of my creative outlet. It didn't really matter. But when I tried to turn it into a full-time thing, I always chased after those mainstream magazines because I don't believe Anorak should be niche. Anorak 
should be in every household, regardless of, you know, where you come from, your uh, demographic background, anything, anything at all. For me, creativity belongs to everyone. So I was really, you know, I was chasing after the big mainstream kids titles and I was really like giving myself such a hard time because they were selling, you know, 30, 40,000 editions a week. And I was barely at the time doing 5,000 a quarter. And honestly, it just took the joy out of making this magazine so much that at the end I thought, okay, I have to be, first of all, stop having these massive expectations as I said, be reasonable in terms of, okay, what can he expect to do? And how is it going to serve me? Like how is it going to make me happy so I can carry on doing it, I don't know, for the rest of my life? So, and as soon as I started not focusing so much on sales, <laughs> sure enough, they went up. <laughs> and it's been such a lesson on the, the things you let go of. Once you let go of them, suddenly they're just like this this magical moment that happens and you know things just go well like I honestly and it was the same at the beginning of the first lockdown I I thought here we go you know strap in this is going to be a roller coaster how am I going you know how are we going to survive throughout all this and literally I thought right I've got to focus on just making the best magazine in the world doesn't matter what's happening around in the rest of you know the finance world everything you know and let's see and Surely enough, as I said, like the cells just shot up. So I thought, okay, great. You just let it, let go is definitely the lesson here. So would you say that as well? The letting go was the thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that turned it from a side hustle into the business in a way, something that you could rely on or... Yes, so it it did. I mean, I had to, you know, I went from having an art director, we had an editor at first. I had to make some tough decisions to you know, I basically ended up just doing it myself because I couldn't afford to keep an art act, keep paying an art director. I had, you know, we had seven or eight illustrators per edition, if not more. Um, so I had to find practical ways to kind of, you know, um, make it lean and still of really high quality. So I ended up taking on the roles that I was really interested in, which was the art direction, the writing. I always had this thing within me this voice within me which said you can write and then this other voice going you can't write <laughs> and I decided to listen to the can one and um and just start you know slowly but surely kind of building up that way and now I'm so pleased that did that even though those decisions obviously were really hard back then I'm so pleased that did that because I honestly if I had kept focusing on the business side which is what I was on at the beginning of the magazine then I don't think Anorak will be here because it's just not something that excites me, brings me joy or anything. I mean, it's nice when things go well and when business is done well, but that is not the purpose for me, but also for our readers. Like it's not meant, I don't think Anorak is ever meant to be a weekly title that sells 40,000 copies, um, an issue. It is very much a very beautifully crafted, loved, you know, where we pour all our souls into it. Um, and that's why also, you know, this frequency is only quarterly, for example. So yeah, you do go through these difficult moments and then you just realize those bits that are really painful, let them go. And then suddenly the magic happens. I mean, I sound like an old hippie now, but it kind of, that's what happened. You know, I'm not sure that happens all the time, but that's what happened for, for me. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Definitely in my life where you stop working so hard at something or striving towards something. Yes. And you just ease up and all of a sudden you get to that place right. faster than you think yes. you would by chasing after something yes um, yeah. I wonder I wonder what it is like I would love you know I have an inquisitive mind and I would love to figure it out because if we could bottle that or sell that I mean we would definitely be millionaires then but know. It's been, you know it's been the um it's been the recurring kind of theme generally and especially with Anorak it's just like why am I focusing so much on that thing and it's bringing me a lot of it feels like it's not quite right. We'll just forget about it or let it go. Not forget, but let it go and just let it happen naturally and see what happens. And actually every time it's, 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 it's worked great. So yeah, it's good. 
It reminds me a little bit of one of my favorite all-time books. I only read it a few years ago, but it's by a guy called Michael Singler called The Ex- the Ex- um, Surrender Experiment. And he's basically oh. spent the last 40 years surrendering. Um, oh, wow. And he's basically become a billionaire without ever wanting to become a billionaire. Oh he said he gosh. never set out that intention. He's become this multi-billion do- uh, dollar company in America. Right. Um, but all through surrendering every single step of the way, he said, he said just whatever would show up yeah. in front of him, he would yeah. just kind of go with it. So if wow. there was resist, he would just push through the resistance all the time yes, and go, because yeah. often we, we tend to want to ignore resistance and we want some comfortable and safetyness, but it's actually when you, you go beyond your comfort zone, that's where the, the freedom yeah. is and the expression is. So Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear somebody's mates puts it in a bottle. It's made it, it's made it, um, you know, made it into a, a job and a career. That's pretty amazing. But yeah. you know, I, yeah, it, it works. It seems to work. I also think because it's about energy, isn't it? You spend so much energy onto something that's bringing you so much pain that you fight against. And actually, if you divert your energy onto something else, um, which brings you the joy, then that thing, that annoying thing in the corner just doesn't it doesn't come into your life but then suddenly when it transforms into something nice because you focus so much on the positive stuff um you just see it as a magical thing that's happened when in fact you've diverted your attention and your energy onto something that's a lot more healthy for you and and for your business maybe yeah maybe (laughs) so it feels like the way so is it it's still quite then regarding like you've obviously been able to scale up quite a lot in the past few years yes do you find then that um, you haven't had to get much bigger? It's more you just have to order more magazines as such, or how, how does how does it work in terms of you actually scaling up as a business? So we just we just um, I think okay. So the for for a long time I've also had a separate job. Like I do, I'm a producer, as I said before. Like I've been a producer, so I've learned through kind of being a producer and, you know, doing TV campaigns or ad campaigns, social campaigns, that they are very effective and efficient ways of working, which don't necessarily require you to work 20 hours a day or to work with a 200, 300 team, uh, people team. Um, When I worked at magazines like The Face, I was, I remember the first time I walked into those offices, I was absolutely amazed at the amount of people it took to put a magazine together. And I've always had that thing in my head, which is like, does it really take that many people to do it? And I've become super lean. And as you said, there hasn't been any needs to, you know, have huge teams um, because it's run in such an efficient way. And I have some really trusted partners and suppliers and, and designers and illustrators who work exactly the same way as I do. And therefore it's, it's super lean. So yeah, I haven't had to recruit 200 people to get swanky offices or anything like that, which to be honest, I'm glad I've never, you know, I've never done because it would, it would be completely pointless now. Um, But yeah, I think it's just, I've just learned of ways to work in smartly. So I work all the time, like in a sense, because Anorak is always in my head, you know, um, but I don't sit down and work all the time. I don't expect my, the people who work for Anorak to do exactly the same thing, to be stuck at their computer all day long to do something. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how I've done it, but somehow it's just, yeah, just smartly. I think if you ha- always have the engine running in the background, at one point you just focus on it for like two or three hours and then that's done. You know, Dot takes us two weeks to put together and people are always like, how, how is this possible? And I just say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's that simple when it's, it's simple um, when it's that passion, I guess, who just runs through it. And because we have, I work with the same people that I've always worked with, so we know exactly how we work. So all of this stuff kind of, yeah, I haven't had to to get a lot more people involved, which is in a way a shame as well, because, you know, it would be great to be able to employ more people. But actually at the moment we've been able to, you know, sell three times more editions without having to do that because there's, you know, we just reprint and that's it. It's There's nothing else that we actually need to do. I think what I was taking from that bit as well, you know, staying lean, I think in these times, 
you can stay much more flexible in that as well. Yeah. Um, and what I've been pulling up from you is like, it's like, you know, obviously collaboration is key as well. Yes. You know, you obviously wear quite a few different hats and have got, you know, a good overview of everything, but, you know, illustrators, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're going to attempt to bring the best illustrators on board, the best, yeah. you know, people who can produce it the best. So yeah. what, what would you touch on in terms of like, collab, you know, how important collaboration is? Um, it's so key. It's so, so key. And, you know, I work with Ben Javins, who's our designer, and he's worked with us since probably day one or maybe issue two or something like that. And he's now our designer. You know, he's the one that puts together Anorak and, and also Dot. I work with illustrators who have been, you know, working with us, again, pretty much from um, issue one or, or two. And I think also, you know, when I when I try to scale it and do it into a full time thing, you know, I got an office space, I employed more people. And actually what happens is you turn from being a creative to being a people manager or you become a business person. And as I said, that is not where my interest lies. My interests lie in the creative part of it. So. I can do my accounts, you know, half an hour a week. That's more than enough, really, to spend time on it. And the job gets done and it's fine. And just get a good accountant or a good bookkeeper that's been, you know, with us for years and years and years. And that's it. So once you find the right people, just hold on to them because it's so, so precious to have those kind of relationships with people who understand. I mean, Ben and I just, it's so easy now to just work together because he knows what to expect I know what to expect from him you know um I think that's the case from the publishing side of the magazine you know we've only talked about that but we also have a studio which is the design side where we do work for brands and that's different that requires more people to come on board more people to help obviously because the projects are are a fairly decent size and that requires a different approach but as far as the publishing side of things go because also we've I've been doing this for 15 years um as I said even though every every issue is a new adventure there are some things that I know how to do really well and really quickly without having to spend 20 hours in front of my computer it must feel lovely as well doing something that not only brings joy to others, but it's actually um, got real meaning and purpose and can help, you know, help mm. children and families mm. and adults. Mm. And I think anything along that, you talked about passion, well, the passion is, you know, that's what kind of fuels it is seeing, seeing the outcome. And it must be, it must feel really nice to be able to do something like that. I think it's a dream for everyone yeah. to be doing something that brings them meaning and purpose and that's yeah. probably what's kept it going for so long and probably will go for another 15 plus years is because of something like that. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. I mean, that's, again, you know, when you do something, when you create something, that is not, that was never in my mind. Uh, that's something other people put onto it. You know, you just create something almost for yourself or for your child within or for your child, which was my case, you know, I created it for Oscar and I really. But um and then we just we just have fun with it. So every edition we think of a new theme and you just have fun. You create, you learn so much through that theme by interviewing people, by learning, by, uh, you know, researching stuff. So that's what I see my job, my role as. But then throughout the years, people have, you know, it's other people who say, you know, this means a lot to us because it means we don't you know our children have looked the drawing they've done or they've spent two hours you know being creative instead of watching something whatever on on the telly um or you know we what I find really touching is the fact (coughs) excuse me it's the fact that we have um parents and child come together to read the magazine and that's uh, that shared experience is so so precious to me and that's something that I hadn't even engineered or thought about it's something that actually happened in the creative process with my son and actually also was mirrored when people you know when our readers you know um looked uh, when our readers kind of enjoyed the magazine they enjoyed it as a family and some parents said to me um have you mailed to us to say you know, sometimes I have to buy two issues, one so I can keep it because I don't want my kids to draw all over it. And that uh, those kind of emails or conversations I never forget because that's when you realize actually this is quite precious, but you 
you, I didn't set out to do something that was so purposeful or so meaningful. My, I don't have a massive ego like that, but but um, it's happened somehow. It's mm. happened, and, and it's it's very, you know, it's very humbling when that happens. It's um, you know when people, as I said, like at the first lockdown, the kind of emails we were receiving were just so touching, and I thought, wow, you know. <laughs> what have we done here that's quite incredible but um at the end you know it's fantastic that that happens and that it means a lot more than just you know a silly story or silly joke in a beautifully illustrated magazine um but that is not the reason why I do it the reason why I do it is because I just love doing it and if it brings joy fantastic if it brings meaning wow that's a bonus like that's you know I don't it's great but I don't necessarily look for that because I think again I will go back to what we were saying earlier if I was looking for that I probably wouldn't be able to find it you know I I would give myself such a hard time about finding that meaningfulness into into a magazine I mean it's it's a mag it's a children's magazine it's not like you know the magic pill (laughs) so it's interesting for me is that it was originally born out of the desire because your son you wanted something Mm -hmm for you to have to do with your son. Yeah. And I think the more of us that can approach things like that in life, to think like, for instance, and I'm thinking about when you're talking about people reading it, uh, Anorak with their kids, like I've recently become a father, so I'm going to look forward to Oh, have reading. you? Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Looking forward to reading that with our little girl as she grows up. That's one of the reasons I've mentioned yeah. it on this podcast a few times. Like my wife, we created our own chip well collaborated mm-hmm. and created our own children's book and I think what yes. how inspiring it is for our own daughter to be able to read mummy's book <laughs> at bedtime you know like that's yeah. like wow yeah. you know if we're going to say to her she can you know carve whatever kind of life that she wishes to she's actually just like hobbled a bit in the background then yeah, like, I the audience might be able to hear it it's like <laughs> she was just like she was just confirming then yeah, yeah you know exactly. it's inspiring me daddy um <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, it's inspiring for a child to be like, wow, you know what, that's what my, my parents can have done that. That means, you know, of course it's, you know, I can maybe go out and do what I'd love to do in the world and stuff like yeah. that, but Absolutely. without feeling like it has to turn into something, you know, huge. Exactly. But again, that's the magic of creativity, isn't it? It's like that share, you sharing your, you and your wife are sharing your creativity with her. And I think that's, that's, that's what also keeps me going. And we haven't talked about creativity, but that's an amazing thing. As I said, I wasn't creative. I didn't think I was creative before I had Anorak or even before I had my son. And then suddenly this outpouring of creativity kind of comes together despite, you know, the, the terrible nights, the sleepless nights and everything else. It's just that you suddenly become a lot more creative and efficient too. But um, that's that sharing of creativity that is so precious, really. And yeah, that's something that I'm hugely passionate about more and more, I think. Um, and that's something that we try, we have now this mission, which is slightly more, you know, meaningful and purposeful than we've had before, which is we consciously try to bring creativity to children. And I feel like creativity is such a source of joy and release as well for difficult times. And I worry that children are sitting down looking at something passively all day that you know that can't be good it can't be good for the for for them um mentally but also for creativity generally speaking because it's a passive way of being but anyway I could talk about that for another three hours how long have you got (laughs) well maybe we could talk about creativity just a little bit because that is one of my things that I love to talk about and touch on and um there's a few different ways you can look at it a little bit in terms of obviously how good it is for our own mental health and mindfulness to be able to play. And I think it's really important for me as well. It's not just about children. I think about adults recapturing that childlike wonder. I think we've gone so far off track Mm -hmm. and made things so serious in life Mm -hmm. that we forgot what it feels like to play. And I think sometimes people just think, well, that's what children would do. You know, they would be playing hopscotch or doing somersaults on the trampoline. I'm like, no, like before we had a child, we've got a little trampoline in the back. We've got, you know, other stuff. And like, it's important for me to have an, an outlet to yeah. shake off energy, to yes. not take things so seriously, to be to like the act of play 
it's just so important yet yeah. we we dismiss it as like oh no i shouldn't do that now or it's not as there's other things that take precedent yeah it's not seen as valuable as working but the two of them can be combined i'm the perfect perfect example for that because fundamentally what i do with anarch is i play you know when i i play i use my imagination i use my creativity and i let my inner child speak and we play together my son is 199 fortunately um he's forgotten how to play i will have to uh, or how to put a magazine together but he um you know i think you go through those stages in life where you play, play seems to be a thing that you only do during childhood and then in teenagehood you play with other kind of things but as an adult suddenly you have all these pressures to do with work and you know everything becomes as you say super serious and it's such a shame that we forget how to play because there's so much joy but I really feel like maybe I'm being too optimistic I don't know but I really feel like lockdown and, and this pandemic have taught us again how to play and how to let go and have to have a little bit more fun because things are pretty miserable out there we can't always control them um and I think it's it's we you know of course it's been tough for a lot of parents it's been really difficult but I think um from what parents have told us you know there's been many more opportunities for them to just do the jigsaw puzzles with their kids, to do some drawing with their kids and to do all this stuff rather than spend so much time and energy onto, you know, learning facts that may not bring, you know, that much for the rest of, to your, the rest of your life or to your mental health or anything like this. So I'm a massive champion of, you know, just play, get creative. I have got the jigsaw puzzles, which by the way, I've never finished, but never mind. I've tried to finish them. You know, I, I have coloring books that I color in um, because it just brings you into that meditative space as well. And um, where you don't, you just stop using your brain. Fundamentally, your over-processed brains at one point need to stop. And I think before COVID, I was you know, I realized how amazed, how amazing it was that I could use my brain so much and actually not let it unplug. And now I've gone into a completely different headspace where I don't use this overprocessing as much. I use, you know, the other bit. I don't know what it's called or what it is, but it's that bit where you just play, use your imagination, use your creativity. I'm super, super lucky and super privileged to be able to do that and produce a magazine at the end of this. But they are many, many ways people can do that without having to turn it into a business or anything like that. You know, it's just so important. Five minutes a day, just do some coloring. You might not want to sit down and do meditation because your mind is going off all over the place and not everyone wants to be, you know, burning sage in their flats and things like this. But I think, you know, doing a bit of coloring with your kid or just yourself or some drawing, try to draw again. And that for me is worth two hours of meditative um, state definitely <laughs> yeah I agree I think we used the word came up earlier on in the conversation around um, the word boredom and we're mm -hmm. not bored anymore and I was reading something recently is that that is where we get an opportunity to process a lot so in that time in that space that we allow for boredom mm -hmm. that's where we can actually become very good problem solvers at things yeah um, and just giving us that space to be creative rather yeah. than constantly filling up our time social media is oh you know i'm on it i use it <laughs> um it sucks me in um but i can yeah. feel myself being lost in it as well mm -hmm, and i think mm -hmm. it, and i notice sometimes it's like if your phone's in my pocket and i'm and you have that space of boredom or whatever but it's like, automatically it's like as if your hand's just going to go and grab your phone yeah. and i have to just put it away i almost yeah. have to create techniques or boundaries for myself yes so. that's exactly what i do you're talking to an ex-instagram addict i mean i used to scroll through through instagram like four hours a day now i'm down to three minutes and the reason i've managed to do it is like you i've had to set boundaries i've had to put my phone in a different room i mean it's insane when you think about it it's completely insane that we've become so addicted to those things this kind of um, and the same with you. I've had to just, you know, I put it in a different room. I, I, and it's, it's kind of rewind your brain. You 
you have that little hitch that is like, oh, I'll check what's on Instagram and anything. No, I've caught that thought. I'm not going to do that because what is it going to give me? And that's the bit that I always try to go back to is like, how is it going to serve me? What is it going to make me feel a lot more fulfilled and happy because I've spent two hours on Instagram? Nah. Will I remember that on my deathbed, the amount of hours that I've got on Instagram? No. I will remember, you know, reading a book or maybe do nothing, maybe daydreaming or, you know, just writing something, whatever it is, or speaking to someone, I don't think I will remember. And that's why I try to always keep that kind of perspective. It's bloody hard, though. It's so, so hard, because it's so easy to do. And I used to have my phone everywhere. Like My phone comes with me everywhere. You know, it's just, it's just mad. It used to be like that. And now I just leave it in the space. And if I don't hear the phone ringing, or notifications are all off now but if I don't hear it ringing never mind there will be a message and I will call it back but it takes so much work you know because we are somehow we've become so we've become little robots we hear a ting and it's like what could this be (laughs) it's actually nothing it's nothing really it uh it doesn't have that much value and nutrition um so just keep writing and try to forget about it Obviously, all I'm saying to you now is what I'm telling myself every day, right? I don't do that every day. I'm not this super guru who's managed to find the answer to stop being an addict. But I have reduced my Instagram consumption uh, a lot. And it has felt I was, you know, the last time I felt like this is when I was trying to, uh, when I stopped drinking, which was 10 years ago. So it's that same level of addiction, I think, a similar level of addiction. What I took from that is like you, you, you caught that thought. Um, yeah. and that's often what it is it's just we get swept up in them thoughts all the time and you can just pause yes. across the entire day but yes. actually being just catch and go that's just a thought yes. I don't need to act on that and actually is that thought going to have a positive impact on my life if I'm going to do something exactly. generally no, no. You know, <laughs> put it to one side yeah um, yeah but something I'd like I don't to know ask. what it would do to kids you know that sorry to interrupt but I just okay. always wonder what it would do to children because um my only experience with that, obviously, is seeing friends and my son. And, you know, it's so embedded in their lifestyle. And, um, you know, so I feel like I feel conflicted by it. Like I see, you know, as a teenager, my son obviously is on it quite a lot. Um, but I feel like somehow we have to be the guardians of that and just but we have to show it we have to lead by example and we don't we simply don't you know we had um not so long ago my son and I compared how much time we spend on Instagram and actually I spent more than him this was pre-addiction you know pre-kicking my addiction out you know so that was an interesting you know little experiment as well and I think it's hard for all of us Um, But I wonder what it would do to much younger kids. Um, And that's why it's important to have those alternatives, you know, whether it is a coloring book or and the space to be bored, as you said before, you know, daydreaming and being bored is amazing. I've forgotten what it was like, I have to be honest. And during lockdown, I did. And sometimes I just sat on the balcony and just thinking, okay, I'm not going to I'm just going to let see what happens and it's amazing and I love when my son says I'm bored I'm like yes he's bored (laughs) that's brilliant stay bored it's good it's good because something will come out of it and it always does something creative a nice thought or an idea or whatever so yeah 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 wise words so (laughs) um a couple more questions really um uh-huh. i'm thinking i always think like you know what 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 some of my audience might be thinking and i know quite i know there's quite a few kind of budding entrepreneurs or people looking to get stuff off the ground and what kind of advice would you give to people who have you know the, attempting to either start a side hustle which you obviously did mm-hmm. or yeah. in fact we'll start with that actually have the idea and start in the side hustle um yeah. what kind of inspiration or advice would you pass to them I mean I'm not and I'm not I'm not an expert at all but all I can talk about is my experience and I think I bored myself to death talking about it and telling people I was going to launch a magazine and I think you can talk you can plan you can strategize you can do all this stuff but fundamentally the first step is to make it and just it's the tiny little steps that matter or that mattered for me. It was literally saying, 
okay, I'm doing this and I'm stopped talking about it because frankly, it's boring now. Um, just take a pen and paper and write down what this magazine is going to be about, what it does, and just make it, make it happen right there and then. Um, if you can, I would recommend that you find collaborators and people who support your idea and also people who are frank with you. Because I also think sometimes we can support, we can surround ourselves with people who are like, this is the greatest idea because they love you so much. They're like, yes, do it. You know, that you like great supporters. But it's also nice to have people who are like, why are you doing this for? You know, I always thank our distributors right at the beginning of Anorak, the ones that turns that turn me down because they were like, this is never going to work. A gentle neutral magazine. They were literally laughing in my face, like a gentle neutral magazine that has no recognizable characters on it. That's not part of a brand. Good luck. You know, it was literally that kind of patronizing tone. But I thank them because I was like, oh, really, you think that's not going to work? Well, let's see. And that gave me the impetus to actually make it happen. So I know it sounds really corny, but it's just literally stop talking about it and just do it and find the little the little thing you can do now to start that process. So whether it is, you know, to, in my case, it was literally to write out the content plan and to find an art director and, and that was it. And then it's just done. Um, I often think that I used to have this massive hang up that Anorak was a side hustle, but actually having a side hustle and having, you know, a job that keeps, you know, that pays for the bill, for the bills, um, takes away that kind of anxiety around, you know, is this going to work? Is the business going to have, is the business going to be able to pay my bills? So it doesn't ruin your creative experience is what I'm trying to say, because to try to run a business at profit, pay yourself and work off your creativity is really, really difficult. Let's not lie. It's really difficult. Um, so I think having another job on the side is, um, it's not a bad thing at all. Actually, it's probably the best thing to do to start with. Have the side hustle, start small, and then just, you know, carry on working. Maybe part-time, <laughs> but still carry on working. Yeah, that is, um, that's excellent advice. And it's really, it's amazing to hear that from someone who has gone through all that process and mm -hmm. is, you know, where you are with the company now. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, I often think about that with stuff. It's, you know, sometimes you, you, um, like if people go all in on stuff, that's when mm -hmm. you, you know, you think, well, this has got to pay the rent or the mortgage or yes. it's just like, whoa. Um, yeah. but actually if you can keep what you're doing on the side, mm -hmm. but you spend an hour or two a day on this, or you spend some time on the weekend, yeah. it's amazing what you can do if you add it when the time adds up yes. half an hour, half an hour, that, that half an hour a day turns into days and days by the, you know, at the end of the year, it's amazing what you yeah. can do. And you become so much more efficient hours. as well. I think. Yeah. 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 I think mm -hmm. you become so much, sorry, I interrupted you, but um, uh, yes, I think you become so much more efficient with it as well. So there's less time kind of procrastinating or thinking, oh, is this the right thing to do or not? Like having a full-time job forces you to be really focused and really efficient within that focus for your side hustle. Um, and I mean, of course it's, if you counted up the hours, because all of that is work, right? It's not, it might be nice work, but it's still work. And of course, if you counted up all the hours in the day that you do this, it's still quite a lot of hours. But I also think a side hustle needs to be something that you absolutely love and you absolutely want to do, you know, uh, with all the passion and everything else. And it doesn't have to be something that's difficult to do. Do you know what I mean? Like often also, that's one of the things that I did with Anorak, it was like, I, I became a martyr of like trying to, you know, I was reading all business books and I was watching Dragon's Den. And I was like, how do these people make millions? How do they, you know, but you can become such a martyr and it, become, it can become so difficult. And actually I found that the easy things are actually the most valuable things. It doesn't have to be that complicated and tortured really to, to do good. So when you think of your side hustle, think of something you really, really love. I would say. Excellent advice. And I think that seems like a great way to um, to wrap up. I like that in that last sentence, you used the word do good as well. So it ties in. With the <laughs> so that was, that was a nice draft. Um, that's completely subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been sending me subliminal messages without realizing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think there's been, that's been um, 
I can only imagine so much. Like I've got so much from it. It's a kind of pleasure really to be able to to sit down and to talk to you and and hear um, what you've done and loads of wisdom. It reminds me of plenty of other people I spoke to and um, I'm sure it'll be fire in the belly for plenty of other people. Um, I hope so. If there's one thing, you know, I'm not a super fan of doing these kind of things like because I don't consider myself as a guru or an expert or anything like that. But if there's one thing that I hope people get from it is this kind of contagious feeling that it, you know, if you have a passion kind of itch, just, just do it, just, you know, just do it and it, it can be fun. It doesn't have to be like this serious business mind. You can just, you know, and I think a lot of people do that anyway. You look at Etsy, places like Etsy are filled with people who just create every day and have little businesses. And I think there's so much beauty in that, much more than the big tech boys that we all want to, you know, to run after. Not worth it. <laughs> it's be been such a pleasure. Thank you great. so much. Okay, this today's episode all wrapped up. Um, I found that really, um, as always, with all my chats, I find it really inspirational, an opportunity for me to, you know, to speak with people who are, you know, really making, um, you know, making their way at stuff and really making a difference and having a lot of fun and joy. Joy was the key theme that kind of came through me for that. And if more of us can apply that to each thing that we do each day, um, not always going to be the case, you know, maybe doing the dishes, you might not get much joy from it, but you probably can. Um, I'm rambling now, um, but yeah, joy is a key theme. So anyway, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Also, um, if you are listening to it on YouTube, you can subscribe. If you're feeling really generous, you can join my Patreon page um, to help me support me as I continue to do episodes like this with inspiring people who are doing good in the world. And also remember as well that delighted that I've partnered with um, Poston News Magazine who are really making a uh, great difference in the world especially in this time when there's a lot of negative media about um you can get a discount you can get a 20 percent discount on a subscription a subscription if you just use the word do good 20 in um when you check out you'll get that discount so i'm really pleased that i'm partnering with them to um they feel like for me and when i think about who do i want to be aligned with well, I use that product myself. I have that magazine. So it would be an honor for me to be able to potentially support them and help you as well. So use that exclusive offer that I've got. Do good 20 on checkout. And um, so anyway, that'll do me for today. Until next time, have a good one.